Hey, bubblers, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble, the podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today in the pod basement, I have with me none other than Laura the Cheese Queen herself, and we're here to summon the small science of TV talking by getting right into the fold of Shadow and Bone Season 1. Hey, Laura. Hey. <laughs> How are ya? How you doing today? Over-caffeinated. It's going to be great. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Good. Um, I'm just, I'm, I think I'm properly caffeinated. Then you need more. Well, I need more. Do I need more? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> yes, though, I kind of want to see what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's like that episode of Futurama where Fry just keeps drinking all the coffee until you hit that peak performance point. Yep. That, I want to try that. I want to see if that's possible. Clearly it isn't. You'll die of heart failure first. But maybe you do have that moment of epiphany beforehand. I don't know. Like right before you keel over maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it's really enlightening. I bet knows? it is. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're here to talk about season one of Shadow and Bone on Netflix. Uh, spoiler warning for the first season and we will dive into the books. So spoiler warnings for the books as well. Season one stars Jesse Mylot Lee as Alina. I may have reversed the pronunciation because I think I misspelled her name on my chart, my little list. Ben Barnes as General Kerrigan, aka the Black Heretic. Archie Renew Renau as Mal. Mal, oh he's so cute. <laughs> Freddie Carter as Kaz. Amita Suman as Inej. And Kit Young as Jesper. Jesper's adorable. Too. I love Jesper, that sharp shooting little hornball. <laughs> That's pretty much him. The only thing you're missing is his crippling gambling addiction. Oh, yeah, because we didn't get any of. You get a, a little, little bit. bit you yeah. know, like when he's supposed to go get the coal for the train and, and loses all the money, doesn't <laughs> get enough coal, yeah. then drops it anyway. <laughs> Still, still don't quite get the math on that one. No. Like, how did they make it across? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they had just enough to get them across, but just not in the time frame of which the guy had predicted, had they had enough coal. Yeah. Because then, cause then uh, Jesper, after snuggling his emotional support goat, Milo. I love, I love the goat. I do, too. I love that he never forgot the goat, too, and then he brings, it up, brings him up a couple of more times. And then, so yeah, once he calmed down, then he was able to shoot the shit out of all the man bats. Yep. So, well, we just are going to get right into it, I guess. <laughs> so season one, uh, I'm just going to, uh, per IMDb, dark forces conspire against orphan map maker Alina Starkov when she unleashes an extraordinary power that could change the fate of her war-torn world. That's basically, that's basically it. It's accurate and vague at the same time yes very well done yes good job imdb <laughs> <laughs> so let's see well we kind of touched on jesper a little bit should we well why don't you tell us because you've read the books yeah and there's how many i guess for sure you could say tied to this series there's five there's the three for shadow and bone which is more alina and General Kyrian, a.k.a. Alexander, a.k.a. the Darkling, uh, a.k.a. the Black Heretic. Take your pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, kind of what happens between them and um, 
how the fold is ultimately destroyed. And then there's two other books that are about the crows. Okay. The crows being Cass, Jasper, Inej, and a few others as well. There's actually six of them. Nina and Matthias are two more. <gasps> okay. And then there's Wylan. He hasn't been introduced in the series yet. I don't know if he will be or not because of some of the small changes that they've made. But uh, the the biggest change that they made is the storyline that focuses on the crows mm-hmm. is actually occurs two or three years after the uh, conclusion of the events between Alina and the Darkling. Okay. So they've kind of pushed those storylines together. And I'm okay with the fact that they did that because the crows are so fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, it just made it even better to have them there. So the whole plot line of the season for them in terms of trying to kidnap Alina for whatever reasons unknown, um, that is new. Okay. They did, in the books, have a major heist that they needed to pull off. Mm-hmm. So that <laughs> aspect of it is still very accurate. It's just the subject of it and the timing of it have changed. Gotcha. And you feel it works well, the, the changes that they made, at least with the crows from books to to the show, works well. It all kind of meshes well in terms of what we're, what the books gave us to what the show is trying to provide. Yeah, for the most part, totally. Um, and to that point, I mean, I actually watched the show first and I was like, oh, man, I got to read these things. <laughs> so I did. And in reading the books, even though they were different and more spread out, I didn't feel like that took away from the show, nor did I feel like the show took away from the books. Okay. I'm sure there are purists out there who are like, no, how could they? And I I get that. I do. I get that. But I think it works either way. Yeah. It's hugely entertaining. There's always going to be, you know, the the purists, the people are like, no, why'd you change this? You can't do that. But when you're thinking about trying to adapt a book into something palatable for a larger audience, you kind of have to go with what will be more accepted in a wider range. Yeah. Um, really, though, the <laughs> the showrunners made the decision to include the crows from the beginning because they loved them so much. Mm-hmm. That That was it. I really liked, I enjoyed the crows. At first, I'll admit, I was a little confused uh, with Kaz and crew, Kaz and the crows, because I was like, okay, so you're, you're been ta- you've been tasked to kidnap Alina, the sun summoner, mm-hmm. who we find out is the sun summoner, and the sun bender. I called everyone benders for like the first half of the season. It kind of works. <laughs> like, it seriously does. Yeah. It's just there's more elements. Exactly. But I, and I wasn't sure if I had missed like the reason why they were sent but they they don't really go into that in the show well i mean other than there's like she's worth a lot she's worth a lot because she's the first of her kind and the only thing that could possibly have the power needed to destroy the fold the fold being that giant mass of darkness dividing the country in half that is inhabited by volcra monsters awful uh, <laughs> yeah, they look like, at first I was like, wait, are those dragons? I was like, holy shit, it's a bunch of man bats. <laughs> well, it's accurate because that 
um, landmass prior to the fold's existence was actually very fertile farmland populated by, you know, farmers and their families, little villages, what have you. And when the fold was created, the inhabitants were turned into the Volcra and the the land became just like Death Valley type salt floor almost. Mm-hmm. It's just there's nothing there. So they're very hungry. They're very angry and confused yeah. and they live in darkness. Aww. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> but so she's very valuable both in her rarity and because of the circumstances that they live in. But Kaz and crew wanted to get the jump on this job, not because, um, at this point anyway, that they had any personal motivation to, other than what seems to be an apparent rivalry between Kaz and Pekka Rollins, Mm -hmm. and also because it's going to pay a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Now, the job they go on in the books pays a lot more money, supposedly, and um, takes them much, much farther from home. But the premise is the same. They want to get the jump on the job before Pekka does. Uh, Kaz and Pekka have history, though Kaz is the only one who is uh, aware of it because Pekka doesn't even deign to remember, which is why Kaz asked in the show, do you recognize me? Yeah. He doesn't. God, and that's always just got to be a real kick in the knackers when (laughs) you have like a vendetta towards someone and they're just like, who are you? Yeah. Just fuels that even more. So I, I enjoyed Kaz and Inej. Oh, what a badass with the blades and everything. Her little, her knives, her little yeah. knives. And uh, where, where was it they entered and she had to um, empty all her pockets. And to, she just kept going. Kept going and going. I, oh, I loved that. It was almost <laughs> comical. Like, <It> like <laughs> the clown pulling the ribbon out of their <laughs> sleeve. It just keeps going. Yep. But at one point, you know, towards the end of the season, uh, she's, you know, they're in the fold and she's like whipping her knives at the Volcra and everything. And all I could think is like, you're very talented and you're very skilled in what you do. But just like a talented, skilled archer, you're going to run out of your weapons eventually. Right. And she could still fight. So, you know, that's good to see, too, and everything. But it's like, I couldn't help but think of like Arrow and Hawkeye, like these well-meaning heroes that... Once you run out of, you know, your thing that you do, mm-hmm. then what? Right. And, you know, that was that was one of the results of the changes they made because she never actually spends time in the fold in, in the book. Oh, okay. Ever in any of the books. Because the fold doesn't exist anymore when it's time for yeah. their storyline. But also because they're located somewhere else. Gotcha. So this was... Like, a melding of two different stories, it, you could say, but it works. Mm-hmm. They made it work, and it, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Like enough that I wanted to go and read the books. Yeah, there is a sixth book um, that has to do with like the Rafkin King, you know, post Civil War, trying to figure shit out. Pretty much, mm-hmm. it's kind of its own standalone thing, but it's you know relating to those so. You could include that one, too. Okay. But, yeah, I really loved the show, like, to the point where I bought all of the books and I read them, like, one after the other. Damn. Did not, <laughs> did not put them down. <laughs> it, it served so much goodness, though. Like, not only did I find a new series in the fantasy genre that 
that I could get behind and, you know, kind of distance myself from the whole J.K. Rowling screwed up Harry Potter for us all. Mm -hmm. But my youngest son saw me reading and he decided that he wanted to read more. And reading is very hard for him because he has dyslexia. So it was really cool that he wanted to read with me. And, you know, he's come a long way since I started reading those books. That's awesome. Because he's finally finding out what's fun about it. That's great. That is awesome. Yeah. Always happy to hear it. As a librarian, always happy to hear <laughs> people's love of books. I can't even say it. She's she's laughing and joy about all yes. the books. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how did you stumble upon, like, what, what made you watch the show at first? Because I guess I thought you had read the books first. No. And then you were like, oh, let's see what they did with the show. But it was opposite which is unusual very yeah um so i saw the preview come up and start playing on netflix you know many months ago i was like oh this looks interesting because the preview has that um fire summoner Mm -hmm. who's totally badass explaining the rules of crossing the fold and everything it's just like oh well this is a good preview because it's definitely hooked my interest and then um but i ignored it at first, but then a friend of mine tweeted how excited she was to have this series coming to Netflix with or without the changes because she loved these books so much. And she doesn't normally give like such universally high praise. And then as she was watching the show, like the first couple of episodes, she was like, the casting is perfect. And I'm like, okay, I've heard enough. Okay. I just got to turn this on and watch it. And I did, and I was like, oh, man, now we got to read the books. Yeah. <laughs> I admit, after finishing the show the other day, I uh, placed a hold on one of the audiobooks. So that's usually the opposite. I watch the show, and if I like the show enough, I'll read the book or listen to the audiobook. And that always helps me, too, with, like, the characters, and now I have a face to put with the names. And that's just, I'm more of a visual person, so that's, I mean, yes, I can create, use my imagination and create what the person looks like, but... It's just much easier to already be provided with Ben Barnes' face. Well, that was the thing. In reading the books, like, I could not picture him any other way. And that's credit to Ben Barnes, really, for playing that so well. And in rewatching it, I was just like, damn, his line delivery is perfect. Like, it is so soft-spoken and measured and patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and you... It's like it's very very subtle way of communicating just how old he is. Yes. Yeah. And I really liked that. Like I, watching it the second time was fun for me for a change because normally I just can't do a rewatch, right? Mm-hmm. But watching it the second time was fun for me because you could see like the little pieces in his facial expression or in his line delivery that kind of it's like if you were paying attention and not all swept up and oh he's so dreamy <laughs> like shut I'm, up like don't I call me out <laughs> may have been <laughs> um there's there's menace there there's almost like malice there he's the bad guy mm-hmm. like it's way more obvious and not because you already know what's happening but just in the way that he speaks and carries himself and i feel like you know, some people might be like, yeah, duh, he's the Darkling. He's, bl- you know, like the, the, all, in black. the all black dress, the mm-hmm. broody, you know, um, <laughs> the man in power type thing. You know, he's literally shooting darkness out of his hands or whatever. Like, okay, yeah, 
let's go with the cliche, darkness is bad. Well, no, darkness is not bad, as we see that with with Bagra, he's not the only wielder of darkness, and she's not bad. Mm -hmm. He just chooses to wield it that way. I feel like it was more more or less like a corruption of the power, kind of like a, you know, you just at, eventually, like at some point become so consumed with becoming more powerful and taking this power or this power to be able, whatever your intentions are, good or bad, I think at, at a point, if you become so focused with blinders on that you eventually become corrupted in, in your goal to achieve eventual goodness but you cross the line into villainy <laughs> yeah and you know bagra you know spoiler being his mother um she kind of set him up for that whether she, she intended did. or not because like she tells the story later in the books that when she wanted to have a child she made sure that she had a child with the strongest um Grisha that or Grisha however you want to say it that wasn't her and you know she taught her son you know the ins and outs of, of controlling his power but also how to fight mm -hmm. she she gave him that sense of superiority that he has and he totally has superiority complex yeah but apparently I have a thing for that what is wrong with me <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, she sowed those seeds, so she's kind of paying for it now. A little bit. Or has been for quite some time, if you think about it. I mean, yeah. the fold was hundreds of years before we come into the story. Yeah. But yeah, she, you know, prior to his being born, she was the only person to have that power over darkness. Mm -hmm. And, well... She made some mistakes with it early on in her life, too. I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, the whole reap what you sow thing seems to be a common theme in this book, or uh, all these books, I should say. Interesting. Ooh, I like that there's something you weren't willing to share. <laughs> I don't want to spoil everything for you. Oh, thanks. Uh, let's talk about uh, Alina and Mal. So, uh, Alina and Mal, at first, for some reason, I thought they were, like, siblings, because I, maybe I wasn't paying attention enough, but then I was like, oh, because then she's like, my friend, my lifelong friend at one point. Like, either way. And I was like, haha, that makes more sense. Now I can root for you two <laughs> to really come back together. Yeah. So, oh, I just love those two. I love, I love Mal. At one point, he's like, towards the end of the season, he tells like the crows, he's like, well, I never said I was very smart. And that's okay. Because I love that he's just so devoted to Alina, friendship or otherwise, that he's he's going to make dumb mistakes. Like, what was it that he did shortly after he said that line is like he jumped and he took the Darkling overboard and landed uh, when, while they were in the fold. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that wasn't very smart, Mal. But that was very, like, heroic and kind of sexy. <laughs> Yeah, well, Mal doesn't have to try too hard for that. No, he doesn't. <laughs> that, that guy is consistently hot throughout this series, <laughs> throughout the season. <laughs> and that's how we judge the quality of a show. That's clearly. right. <laughs> that's right. So <laughs> between Ben Barnes and Archie Renault and Kit Young, this was, for dudes, this was a very uh, pleasant to watch. The, the ladies were gorgeous as well. Yeah, no discrimination here. But... No. 
and it took me a while. And I think around like episode six or seven, I just yelled out Jennifer Conley. Cause that's who Alina or uh, Jesse Miley kind of reminds me of. She has like a bit of a young Jennifer Conley look to her. Yeah, I can see that. Jennifer Conley, if she was shoe ish. Yeah. Ugh, my God. When one of those little bitches was like, can you make her eyes less, less shoey or less shoe? I gasped out loud. I was like, oh, that's not okay to say. <laughs> there is. I was like, oh my God. There is open racism and ethnic discrimination and and whatnot in this world mm-hmm. books or show mm-hmm. plus there's classism to like the nth degree oh yeah so you know there's a lot of tension just sitting there waiting to cause problems and you you hear about it in the show and you it's a common theme of the books as well there's like constant war going on everybody hates each other I mean, to the point where the Fjordans, which are like Norse people, mm-hmm. um, they have a, a special forces unit called the Driskella that are just for hunting down Grisha and bringing them to trial. And those trials always result in their death. So great mm-hmm. trial. Yeah. Quote <laughs> really trials. Fair. Yeah. No shit. Uh, I know we were going to try and do Alina and Mal, but let's I want to touch on um, Nina and, and Matthias since oh, you brought up the Driskella. So oh, my God. Me, too. They're adorable. I love them. And you're going to love them in the books. You okay, really good. are. Good. Because I was very heartbroken at the end of season one where he thought everything, what had ended up happening was all just a deception. Like she was deceiving him and this was all a, a trick. And she's like, no, no, I only said you were a slaver to these people so they wouldn't kill you. But now he's stuck in mm-hmm. lifelong jail. But so, I was like, no, Matthias, no, no, you came so far. You were so close to just letting that guard down and falling in love with someone who is obviously the complete opposite, you know, the nice little opposites attract. And I loved how she was still kind of pushy a little bit with her, like, flirting and her wiles. And, yeah. oh, they well, need to be okay. <laughs> that That much is very accurate to their storyline, regardless of the change of setting and everything like that. That is pretty much what happens in the book. Okay. Uh, so you're you're gonna love them. You really are. Like, I already love them. They're oh, they're so adorable. They like are. they're adorably frustrating. Mm, one of those. Yeah. That, that sounds like fun. This it sounds like one I can get behind though. Oh yeah, it's worth it. And Nina, Nina is one of my favorite characters. I really we didn't get a whole hell of a lot of. Of, of Nina this season. I mean, enough, but... We, we will. We should. If they're, you know, being as faithful to the source material as they've been so far. But yeah, right now she's kind of a secondary character setting her and Matthias up for their part. But they are part of the Crows. And I'm not sure where they're going to take that group mm-hmm. because, like, the whole premise of them working together in the books was trying to break into the most secure fortress in Fjorda and break somebody out and bring them back for way more money than a million Kruger, by the way. It was like $30 million a piece or something. Damn. Like yeah, I know. Um, it's a lot. So, uh, and they do manage to pull off the heist in interesting detail, but nothing ever seems to go how you think it will so but you know they end up spending a lot of time together as a result of that heist and the events that happen afterwards so i'm really curious to see how the show is gonna go 
But, oh, I love those two. I do, too. It's clear that Matthias has been brainwashed by his Driscella training. And you can argue that Grisha have been, too, because, you know, for those that are um, tested and found as children, they are brought to the little palace and trained up amongst other Grisha. And part of their training is... um, you know, in one respect, it's healthy because it's accepting who they are, powers or no powers, and learning how to use them productively. But at the same time, they are indoctrinated too. Their devotion to General Kirigan mm-hmm. and the Grisha cause seems to outweigh for a lot of them, not all of them, but like their family ties or friendship ties or or even like patriotic ties Mm -hmm. so you could argue that that nina has a bit of that too but nina's much more strong-willed like they are both stubborn people Mm -hmm. so stubborn but their stubbornness is different like matthias stubbornness is holding on to what he thought was true because he's so trusting Mm -hmm. and he had a traumatic experience that kind of made him already against Grisha in general. So he was he was well and truly primed to receive that information and accept it as truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he believed all of these people. He believed his place in the world and everything. And it's very hard to have all of that taken from you just through the realization that maybe things are a little more complicated than you thought. Nina is just one badass, stubborn strong-willed person it's like fuck y'all i'm gonna do what i want Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she's actually quite young and you know she looks up to the the grisha that are a bit older than her and quite accomplished in terms of how powerful they are or what they've done in in the whole rapkin civil war thing but She's not very good at following orders. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. Let's let's get back to Alina and Mal. So they are, they're both orphans, right? And so we don't know anything about like where they are, who they are, where they're from. Right. Do they? Did they say how people have these kind of? Abilities, they're just kind of born with it? They're born with it. Okay. Yeah. But that's kind of what I assumed with the uh, testing at a young age. Right. And it's it's not necessarily like Avatar The Last Airbender where, you know, it's passed down the same bending skill from parent to child or whatnot. You could have someone who's a fire summoner that has materialnik as a son or daughter. Um, So... They don't necessarily maintain the same power set through generations. Okay. Um, they can, of course, but it, it's there's like no rule to it. Gotcha. You just have the ability to wield or to summon, mm-hmm. or you don't. Right. Gotcha. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> and there seems to be a lot of different bending types. <laughs> Some. <laughs> sorry, I just I kept calling. Like I said, I called him. We had airbenders and then the firebender and then i was like oh lightbender but yeah there's there's many different some summoner types Mm -hmm. so we've got and i'm not going to pronounce like any of these right or i don't even know what they are 
far, but so we've got like the um well the one character who was like the tailor. Yeah, and that's kind of a outcast role. Yes, because it doesn't really fall under um the rest of the and I'm gonna pronounce this horribly, but corporalnik. There, there's like typically they either go the heart render path mm-hmm. where like they use that power to it's like blood bending yeah they use yeah, yeah. that power to harm you know mm-hmm. like as soldiers would but mm-hmm. instead of having a gun or a knife they have that and yes they can use it for other things like slowing heartbeats and whatnot for interrogative purposes things mm-hmm. like that so very intimidating or they go the healers route and the tailors kind of split the difference mm-hmm. and they're focused on like appearance and things like that and you do get to see just how powerful that skill can be when it's used in the books and we might get to see that later in the show i hope so Mm -hmm. but you'll notice that jenya was wearing a white kefta yes um instead of a red one like the rest of the people in that branch Mm -hmm. or order white is a servant's color so she's looked down upon for being on that path but she stayed on that path because of her devotion to general kirigan mm-hmm. so you know like i said they're all kind of indoctrinated so it's a little cultish yeah because she does say at one point when uh uh alina finds out that how do you say her name again jenya 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 yeah. was kind of the the mole the one that was relaying in because Throughout the season, you know, we see that they're they're good friends. You know, Jenny is one of the first people that Alina really trusts mm-hmm. uh, when she gets to the little palace. So I was kind of sad to see that it was that it ended up playing out how how it did. But I mean, I whatever I get it. It's not a big deal. But Jenny even had told uh, Alina in that scene that she was a Grisha without a color, mm-hmm. and now she's and then at that point she's in her she's got the red jacket. Yeah. So you'll see, like, the red keftas, and the healers will have a brighter color. Like, I can't remember precisely what it is. Mm-hmm. But then the the heart renders, they have black as they're, like, detailing on the, the red. So you can oh, differentiate yeah. okay. between the two that way. And then it's the same kind of thing with the squalors uh, and the other summoners. So, like, the squalors are your air, water types, you know. And then there's the fire summoners. All summoners wear blue keftas, mm-hmm. but the embroidery changes depending upon what their ability is. Oh. So that's why Alina's was gold. Okay. Because it was for the light. See, I thought she just got gold because she was all like super important fancy pants. But I... Well, no, it has to do with the 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 light summoning. Yeah, um, that makes sense. She was given a black one because she mm-hmm. was all super important fancy pants. But even got that it. had gold embroidery yeah. on yep. it. And the materialics, they wear purple. Some of them specialize in, like, chemicals and that side of things. Okay. And the others specialize in, like, crafting. So, like, the gloves that David made. Um, Mm. Yeah. So, he's a really talented one, though. And from what I can tell, he almost seems autistic in the books. Because of his just total social awkwardness um, and some of the other 
traits that they portray. They tried to show some of those in the show without being over the top about it. Sure. But it, it was nice yeah. to see in the show as well as in the books different racial representations, mm-hmm. you know, women and men of power, mm-hmm. um, different abilities and, and even what people might consider disabilities being involved as well. I mean, Kaz, yeah. he is one of the... He, now, all of the crows are very young. They don't look as young in the show, but they're like 17, 18 years old. Okay. And he has built a reputation so ruthless and just profound that at that relatively young age, with a limp, he lives in the most street crime heavy area where they're from. And, uh, you know, everyone is afraid of him, of a cripple. Mm -hmm. Like, that's unheard of. I, I, of course, I was going to get behind that, Mm -hmm. right? But, uh, you know, he's also ridiculously smart. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen a character so capable of scheming, like, and being that many moves ahead of, of their opponent since, like, Sherlock Moriarty type Mm -hmm. stuff. So, you know, it was it was really cool to see that play out a bit in the show. Yeah. And it's even more fun to read through in the books. Yeah, they did a really good job with, for the show, like, yeah, the representation. Because it's, you know, pretty clear that, yeah, there's all these different groups, all these, you know, nice big melting pot. Mm-hmm. And very diverse groups of people and cast and everything so that's that's always nice to see that's always good to see yeah we got kaz with his limp and kick-ass cane and everything that cane is actually kick-ass that cane is really pretty kick-ass so yeah i enjoyed i did enjoy seeing him yeah with his scheming and then their heist their mm-hmm. heist in and there was a second where i almost texted you i was like is this why you like the show the heisting well, yes. I mean, that's why I like those characters so much. I, I can't resist a good heist mm-hmm. story. Um, so it was like it was like a merging of two different genres that I cannot stay away from. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Innate magical ability and heists. Heist. <laughs> like, oh, it's like candy store. <laughs> I love this. What what don't I love about this? like you're stealing christmas no. and i do have to give the show credit i know we keep diverging off of alina and now. Um, <laughs> sorry but i have to give them credit where alina is concerned because i think they did a better job of representing her character than she sometimes was in the books really so it's not so obviously spelled out that she's part shoe in the books Okay. So I'm not, like, if I was just to go off the books, I'm not sure if she is or she isn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even in the show's quick synopsis on IMDb, mm-hmm. it, it focuses on her as a map maker. And the show builds her up as that, too. Like, she's been learning this since she was a kid kind of thing. She's not that great of a map maker <laughs> um, in the books. Like, there is someone else... uh Alexi, I think it was, who is way better. And I think he has a little bit of a crush on her and all those things. So, you know, it made her a stronger character. Like, she had more skills 
more mm-hmm. development prior to this event in her life. Mm-hmm. Now, her and Mal's relationship was very accurately portrayed, and they did always look after each other. And, you know, she was smart and capable in the books, too. It's just that there was less of a foundation built. Like, yeah, she's decent as a map maker, but it's not that important okay. kind of thing. Uh, it was just her finding her place in the first army, and Mal had his place. Mm-hmm. Mal's was very accurately portrayed. <laughs> but there were some things, too, that I don't think were as apparent as they were in the books. Like, one thing that they really drive home in the books is that prior to Alina discovering and using her power, mm-hmm. she is very sickly and frail rarely ever eats and that's because grisha who are whether voluntarily or not prohibited from using their powers it makes them sick oh so in the books her being sickly is almost kind of like a clue Mm -hmm. that she is grisha yeah okay so the more they use their power the healthier they are and that's kind of why bagra and her son Alexander have lived as long as they have but you see now Bagra is aging a lot she's not using hers as much she's not using hers but that is why Alexander is so old but doesn't look it Mm -hmm. doesn't act like Mm -hmm. it in terms of physical abilities either because he uses his power it feeds him but when they do things with Bagra mentioned it you know Merzost that's like the actual underlying magic, like mm. not small science, magic, magic. Yeah. That drains them. Yes, yep. Um, so that's the difference. Okay. Like if they're staying within the thresholds of their, you know, born talent, oh. mm-hmm. they're fine. it is good for them to use their power. And that's... One of the things that the Fjordans do is that they force people to hide their powers because they don't want to get caught by the Driskella and sentenced to death. But Alina chose to, whether she was aware of it at the time or not, because she didn't want to be separated from Mal. Mm-hmm. Now, so in the show, she never knew she was Grisha. And so her hiding that uh, during testing was, was the uh, doing so was to stay with Mal. Is there any divergence uh, from in the book show? Is it the same? <laughs> no, I mean, the circumstances of her and the testing um, are a little different. Okay. But it's the same. She's okay. not aware of it. She's just so afraid of them being separated that, you know, she sabotages. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mal used to be a chubby little kid in the books. Uh, you know, so not quite the skinny runt we see as a kid, but that it really doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. just they were both picked on. Okay. Not just because they were orphans, because there's, you know, Kremsen is an orphanage mm-hmm. um, that a lord set up, but because, you know, they were different. Yeah. It, even if it wasn't apparent exactly how different they really are from everyone else. Is is Mal shoe or part shoe or do they ever say no? No, he's not. No. Okay, I didn't think so since they never made a big stink about it anytime he was on screen, especially those first few episodes, like they did with uh, Alina mm-hmm. making those comments and stuff. So I didn't think so, but I wasn't 
entirely sure. Yeah. But no, their early relationship was pretty accurately portrayed. And Mal growing up to be the super sexy fighter tracker guy mm-hmm. is totally accurate. He, <laughs> yes. I don't think they've completely showed his tracking ability yet, but he is a phenomenal tracker and there is a reason for that. And it's not just, you know, his training and, and skill gained through that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's deeper than anyone really realizes. But the fighting, the... I didn't realize it when I watched the show, but I realized it after when I read the books. You know, when they had that opening scene mm-hmm. with him fighting someone and winning and all that, then yeah. the squalor comes in. It's like, how about you face me? He wouldn't shy away from that. Yeah. And he actually does know and learn more even um, as time goes on how to fight you know, Grisha and win. Mm-hmm. And he ends up, you know, training others with that skill at one point. So it was interesting to see him shy away from that fight. Yeah. wonder if they'll bring kind of that aspect back around in, in the next season or or anything. Yeah. But he's or very the- much, you know, Mal. Yeah. E- easy, charm, charming guy, ladies' man, definitely gets around a bit, mm-hmm. but always finds his way back to Alina. Mm-hmm. God, that line where he's like, I see you. I see you. All I could think was that scene from Little Mermaid where I was just like, kiss the girl. Just do it. <laughs> Smoocher. <laughs> yeah. There are, there are lots of those moments. Yeah. And there are moments where they're frustrating to you. Oh, I'm sure. Like they don't communicate with each other as oh, well as they should. And yeah. it's like, oh God, young people. <laughs> <laughs> young people. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not so young anymore. Shut up. <laughs> I just turned 35. I have to face this. <laughs> I just turned 35. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> No, I've been doing a lot of bike riding, preparing for that charity bike ride I have tomorrow. Yeah. And the other night, my legs just were like, you know what? We need a break. Yeah, probably. And I'm just like, oh, God, I am getting old. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's 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 been a recent, a recent, I don't know, I don't want to call it a crisis, but realization <laughs> at least. You don't want to use the word crisis yet. No. <laughs> I haven't done anything fun. That warrants a midlife crisis. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, when you think of it, let me know. Yeah. I want to play. But it makes me wonder, you know, like, given how long Bagra and Alexander, the Darkling, have lived, how many times do they go through that crisis? Or don't they have that crisis? Like, mm. like the whole concept of aging and time has to be so different for them. Yeah, to the point where I don't think they would have that crisis. So it makes them less relatable when you realize how old they are. Yeah. But then they still have very, I don't know, from an emotional standpoint, human moments. Like all those years of experience, wisdom, yeah. all that stuff doesn't stop them from making same the same kind of mistakes or <laughs> acting emotionally. And it's just like, huh, maybe we just... It doesn't matter, like, if we were immortal and we lived forever, maybe we'll always be like that. I don't know. Quite possibly. It was interesting, because, like, both of them had moments, and especially in the books, too, where you get to, you know, see more of their story. Uh, They had moments where you're just like, 
what? This is so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't understand this. I can't empathize with this. You've been alive for too long. And then they have moments that are so completely and utterly, like, impulsive. And it's like, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely interested to see kind of more. Like, I'm excited for the second season. I'm kind of excited to listen to the books because, you know, for today's recording, we were supposed to do Sherlock again and we tabled it again. <laughs> so because for us to do a proper analysis of Sherlock, which is just kind of funny to say and think about. Well, it's the only way to honor Sherlock. Truly. We I, I need to watch Elementary, which I have not watched, which I know is kind of surprising to some people, but. I don't know why. I think sometimes I intentionally don't get into shows just to save myself from Maybe. loving something else. Because <laughs> I I was going to start Shadow and Bone shortly after it came out. Because, yeah, I kind of watched the trailer. I was like, oh, cool, fun fantasy genre. Yeah, I, I do like some good fun fantasy genre stories. Uh, one of my favorite things about the fantasy genre, fantasy genre is the costuming you know, on screen. Oh my God. It's gorgeous. It definitely can be. And then shadow and bone, their costuming, their production, the writing and the pacing were just perfect. I thought it was immaculate. Like it, it was so well done that it drew you in. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't jump right in right away because I got through the trailer and I was like, and I think it was a little bit of, I don't need this right now. I don't need to be obsessed with this. Yes, I, it'd be nice to look at Ben Barnes for eight episodes, but I don't need to fall down that well again. And now here we are. Because we had to fill something, uh, replace our Sherlock episode with something, and figured, what the hell? I asked Laura what she would like to talk about, and she's like, shadow and bone. Like, almost instantly. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm surprised there aren't more parodies about that name. I mean, <laughs> I do giggle every time I have to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Um, and, there, and there was one of those like memes like, your vagina is named after the last show you watched. And of course, mine <laughs> ended up being Shadow and Bone. Which is just hilarious. <laughs> Enter the fold. Right? How is there not? There has to be. Like, there has There's to gotta be. There's got to be by I, now. I haven't looked. But it's hilarious nonetheless. Yep. I'm I'm assuming there is. No need to uh comment and confirm, listeners. I'm <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go with there there is. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't get into it right away because I'm like, I don't I don't need this in my life right now. But now that I'm I did and we I've watched it for the for the podcast, I definitely want to rewatch it again because it's very, very good. And I feel like there's gonna be more stuff that I'll end up picking up on that maybe I probably missed. For sure. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for season two. I'm excited, like I said, to listen to the books. And this is all your fault. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, we've talked about Alina and Mal a bit, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're totally doing the will they, won't they dance. That is so common in pop culture. Mm-hmm. But we have other will they, won't they dances going on. Namely, um... Kaz and Inej. I know. There's tension there. There is. But also. Oh, he, he's got he's got oogly eyes for her for sure. Oh, yeah. 
Totally. It's a mutual thing. It is. It they is. both have that admiration. Like, did you catch the scene where he was washing his hands and she's standing behind him and he can see her in the mirror? Mm-hmm. And she's just like, all right. Even when even when we're first kind of introduced to Inej through Kaz, yeah. they, they have a moment where you're just like, y'all are sweet on each other. And, aw, and it's- They do. And how that relationship ends up playing out in the books is one of my favorite things about them. Mm. Because they both have reasons why they would not want physical in- intimacy. So they have to navigate around that. And, you know, it proves that you you don't necessarily need that to to have and demonstrate love for another person mm-hmm. with another person. It's just really cool how that all plays out, you know? Nice. Because um, it is totally respectful of the trauma that they've suffered in mm-hmm. their lives and how that sticks with them in terms of what you might even say is mental illness. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my favorite pairings. Yeah. It really is. Also, in the books, Jesper and Wylan are really cute with how they flirt with each other and Aww. stuff. So I'm really hoping Wylan shows up. Yeah. Because it's just so goddamn adorable. Oh, <laughs> um, Any, Anything involving Jesper, I'm going to assume, is just going to be adorable. Well, he's a bit of an idiot. Well, that's um, fine. He doesn't. He's so but pretty. He's adorable. Yeah, he's adorable. So he's allowed to be an idiot. <laughs> uh, but the other will they, won't they that this show has is Alina and the Darkling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Darkling is what he's referred to most often in the book, so I okay. can't help calling him that. But there's tension between them as well, and you know, unlike Mal, who it's very clear has gotten around a bit, at least on a physical standpoint. Alina has not. And in the books, you know, it seems more obvious because she's sickly and frail and and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the books, it's more of a classic predatory relationship. Like, power-hungry Darkling wants this person. Mm -hmm. um, And he's going to use whatever manipulation he has at his disposal to get her. Now, he's still gets caught off guard by her sometimes and i think like a part of him in a very unhealthy way does end up loving her okay but i liked how in the show they kind of flipped that a little bit and made her more of an active participant Mm -hmm. in that relationship Mm -hmm. and at least the preliminary exploring of it yes you know less doe-eyed naive damsel in distress type more like naive but strong enough to take that step forward anyway yes yep that's that's kind of interesting and i do like that they did a way that they didn't follow that the book in that sense me too with these two because that's that's tiresome that gets gross i mean he's already like hundreds of years older than she is Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it would have been, yeah, really easy to have gone that route. But I do like that they did kind of with the Alina character make her, like you said, a more willing participant in that kind of exploring of that early stages of that relationship and that back and forth. And then, yeah, I mean, there's even the one scene where they start getting all smoochy, smoochy and everything. I was a little jealous of her. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he in the ass, he's like, so you're. You, he literally asks, you consent. And she's like, I consent. 
No, and there's there is that aspect, mm-hmm. like in the books too. Okay, but but from she the... is never the initiator. Yeah, and it was nice to see that even if someone is being manipulated to an extent, that they have their own free will in this, and she chose. Mm-hmm. She chose that. Yeah, she still was walking into it blindly, but she was the one walking. Yes, she wasn't being, being led. Right. Yep. Um, Which I think is a very important. And a very, like I said, I really like that that difference. Yeah. And that distinction. And so. I, again, you know, I have to question myself sometimes when I when I read these things and I get super into it because I'm like, <laughs> you know, they obviously have more interactions down the road, mm-hmm. and both take turns manipulating the other. So she doesn't always get led everywhere. Do you, sure. So there is that evolution to her Mm -hmm. which is what made the beginning of it palatable for me in reading the books but they are tied together in multiple ways like we see that with the amplifier and everything Mm -hmm. and that is part of it but Mm -hmm. really that's just like strengthening uh some kind of link that was already there yep and the way that they interact with each other throughout the books and how she deals with it, she makes some very poor choices. Like, you know, she tries to hide certain things from Mal, and we all know hiding things from the people we love is not a good idea. Nope. Um, But there are times where she has the power mm-hmm. between the two of them. And it's just really, it's really fun seeing that constant shift in the dynamic yeah. over the course of their story. And... Uh, I hope that they show that in the show, yeah. too. And it looks like they want to because they started off so strongly mm-hmm. like that with that little shift. Yeah. Because I, I know that this is a toxic relationship, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and I know that there's probably redeeming qualities to the Darkling because he's a person. And, you know, he wasn't always so driven by greed and power. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm like... I can't logically root for this relationship, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I wish, I wish that there was an alternate universe version of it. Like the what if, like, yeah. what if she kept going down this path yeah. and didn't leave when Bagra said to leave mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Like, would they be like the universe's power couple and like rule everything? And would she turn evil? Or or would he turn good? What would happen? And I'm I'm just because there's capacity for him to be a good person mm-hmm. there, uh, but there's also capacity for Alina to become a very evil, power driven sure. person herself, and that is one of the conflicts with her character internally that you get to see in the books, and I hope to see in the show, because it's kind of hitting on that whole potential for both light and darkness in all people. You know, like, yeah. Way to extend the metaphors, guy. <laughs> <laughs> But I, a part of me really wants them together. Like, it mm-hmm. does. I know. I know. Same. And it's not good. It's not. <laughs> and I'm just, but I'm sitting there like, I think she'd be yeah. so much better off with Mal. But at the same time, like like you and I have talked about, we, we've got that soft spot for that charismatic, broody, sexy, baddie, psychopath, what have you. You know, like, I've always had a soft spot for villains ever since I was a kid. So have I, and there's, I don't know. I always thought, like, they had the cooler outfits and weapons. 
They always do. Always do. So, you know, oh, and I think that's like part of my love of wearing mostly black comes from was from all the villains. <laughs> so it's not a goth thing, it's a villain thing. Well, it started oh villain God, and then it turned goth. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's it not needs a, to be a t-shirt. It's not a goth thing, it's a villain thing. Yes. Yes. More stuff for the merch shop. <laughs> Make that shirt. Yes, ma'am. Oh, she's pointing at me and everything. Yeah. What was I going to, what was, what were the relation, their relationship? Yeah. I don't, I do. And I don't want them together because, mm-hmm. uh, the darkling Ben Barnes is like ridiculously good looking, but he's kind of one of those where he's like, not always good looking. It kind of depends on the lighting and the, and the angle and maybe just the emotion in the scene in the moment too. Oh, he can make his face very ugly when he wants to. Yes. Like when he's, when he's being angry or like uh i don't know evil really like see sometimes when he's being angry and evil he looks kind of hot and i think that's just my my villain kink well no (laughs) there's a line there's there's the broody angry and evil Mm -hmm. and then there's like full-on i'm unhinged evil and in that moment it's like oh yeah (laughs) but you know it also seems kind of fun this was one of the changes from the books though that like it's a it's a common trend lately you know where like and i saw a meme about this like killmonger was in the meme about how villains are so relatable now that they have to make them do something so god awful that you kind of reset yeah 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 um but they made his character more relatable in the show than they do in the books okay because all you really get a sense of in the books is that he he wants that power. He like obviously he wants to change the world, to rule the world and you know, for the Grisha and everything. But they personalize it more in the show. Like you got to see that little snippet of his history where the king came after him mm-hmm. and his his wife was you know healing him and then they got her and Mm -hmm. you know everything just went to hell after that there wasn't that moment in the books really yeah so don't get me wrong like you can still in the books kind of see things from his point of view too grisha are persecuted they're hunted Mm -hmm. you know they're treated as other there's technology coming into play now too that renders some of their abilities not so important anymore like what is their place going to be Mm -hmm. you know they're having all of these um ongoing tensions but also new crises coming and he wants to protect them because in his mind grisha are superior and they have their rightful place in the world and they they should be who they are just like any other force of nature are it's like you can totally relate to that without that little personal blip but i thought it was really clever that they added that little personal story and like yeah he had a life before he went all bat shit crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> um and there there could be a lot of motivators like he's always been drawn to power they didn't shy away from that yeah i just gave him a little more humanity, humanity. yeah jinx I want to go back to something you said uh, about the books and with the Darkling and Alina and their back and forth with their um, manipulating, who's manipulating who and everything. Now, this might seem like an obvious question, but is that to truly demonstrate that they are kind of equal, at least power wise and their summoning abilities that even though she's younger and not as well, you know, not as 
train obviously still has the potential to be such a force uh, against him and for him. Yeah, she definitely has the potential to be as powerful as him. Because, I mean, they bring it up in the show. Like, she's definitely someone that could, with the proper training and everything, be his equal. And she even says, like, we could have done this together. Right. But because of her age, Mm -hmm. her lack of training, and, um, you know the differences between his age and his training and his dipping into Merzos, mm-hmm. he is more powerful than her. But that gap is shortened quite a bit by the um, acquiring of the amplifiers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Through the it's stag. plural. Not oh. just the stag. Oh. There are three. Okay. I couldn't help but giggle because I was like, that's her Patronus. <laughs> <laughs> Expecto Patronum, dead stag. <laughs> um, like the stag was was such an homage to like Alina and Mal being mm-hmm. the people they are. Like it was perfect. But then there's like this ancient, sparkly, yeah, sparkly sea serpent. That's <laughs> another amplifier, and the third one. If I told you what the third one is would give away so much and you would have to ask so many questions. But there are hints as to what it is. Okay. Even now. In, in, in the, show. the show. Okay. And in the books. But okay. In the show. Okay. Oh, definitely want to rewatch now. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to have you guess it, because man, that'd be hilarious. Okay, the third thing. So we've got okay, so the first one we have the stag. Mm-hmm. Second one is some sea creature. Yeah. Right? Serpent, you said? Mm-hmm. Makes me think maybe something air. It's a velociraptor. It's funny that you say that <laughs> because that is their theory. Like in that book that Alina's given, there's the picture of, you know, the the person who made the amplifiers. I'm blanking on the name right now. The Grisha who made the amplifiers was a materialnik who was insanely powerful and the Darkling was trying to replicate that kind of power when he made the fold. Obviously not directed or manifested in the same way, but he was trying to be like that person. And when you find out more about their um, history, he, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, like, always trying to live up to something in the past. You sure. Know? But in the picture in the book, there's the stag, there's yeah. the sea serpent, and then there's this bird, mm-hmm. like a firebird, like a phoenix, like the dark phoenix. Yeah, but you know this phoenix is like levels above these other two creatures because it's like mythologically speaking, whether it's an amplifier or not, whether it was made an amplifier or not, is like the creator of Ravka, and it's supposedly still alive, still doing its thing, whatnot, and they in the books they end up going after it because they think for sure it's the third amplifier but we all know the literary tactic red herring and this was a great one okay Ooh, now that bird is so fucking powerful that that when they actually when they actually encounter it they just turn right around and go back home (laughs) not home home but you know what i mean they're just like nope like oh i'm sorry I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> and we took a wrong turn and, and, and we're, they we're leave. Out of here. 
But it was such a good red herring for so long. Like, you believed that this was obviously what it was supposed to be. Like, it's just Ooh. too goddamn perfect. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I cannot wait. So, yeah, the third amplifier, uh, as much as you want it to be, that holy trinity of elements mm-hmm. and everything. It's nope. It's not. Okay. Nope. And <laughs> that's all I'm going to tell you. But if you rewatch it and you start seeing the hints... Because I did the second time I watched it after obviously reading the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I I don't know. Would it have been possible to see this without knowing the story? Hmm. Like, I really want to know. Like, if you pick up on it without getting that far in the books. Okay. Because I mean, it seems more clear after having read them. Obviously. Even though they're very subtle hints, but at the same time, but now you I'm know what like, you're looking for. So now it's all like, yeah, da doy, it's right there. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's amazing how all of it interweaves between you know the main characters of the story: Bagra, uh, the Darkling, Mal, Alina, and. The crows have their own story, and I I can't tell you how they're going to weave into this one because this is different from sure. how it's laid out in the books. But I'm really curious to find out. Mm-hmm. It's like, did you catch that line when Inej saved Kaz by throwing the knife halfway blade deep right in the back of that guy's skull? Uh-huh. Like, do you know how hard did she throw that? Like, Pretty fucking hard. That was not the neck. That was the skull. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> He said, go get your saint and let's go. Mm-hmm. She names all of her knives after the saints. Oh, yeah. And one of the saints was the creator of the amplifiers, like the stag and the okay. sea serpent and the mysterious third one. So, you know, she she's very well versed in that history, despite not being Ravkin herself. Mm-hmm. And she's very faithful to it. Um, so... I'm I'm wondering how they're going to use her character in in that respect. I I hope it'll be fun. I hope so too. I think they. I mean, even without reading the book, from what you have told us today, it sounds like show wise, uh, adaptation wise, they did a very very good job. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it just makes me excited for season two. And to see where they'll end up taking that. Hopefully by then I will have read the books or listened to the books and just be have that next level excitement. Is there anyone else we wanted to talk about? Uh, well, a couple of other changes from the books. Sure. The conductor does not exist because this whole scheme to cross the fold and get Alina does not exist. And unfortunately, that also means that Milo doesn't exist. Aww. But... I thought Milo was a really cute kind of subtle nod to Jesper's history because he grew up on a farm. Oh, okay. He's got mixed race parents. His dad's Jerda farm. Jerda is important Okay. in the books. I don't know how important it's going to be in the series, but it's been mentioned a couple of times. And he has a Zemeni mother who was Grisha, a materialnik, I think. And Okay. You know, depending on where they're from, some people choose to hide their abilities for their own safety. Like the shoe, mm-hmm. uh, they want to, from a scientific standpoint, understand Grisha ability better and use it better and maybe, like, you know, weaponize it. Sure. So they experiment on 
Capricia. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, you know, and Fjordans despise Grisha, so anyone who's near them has to hide. Yeah. So there's all these different layers. But yeah, Jesper grew up on this farm, and he learned a lot from his mother before her untimely passing. But it was just really cute, because it's like, well, no wonder he likes a goat. He grew mm-hmm. up on a farm. He's, yeah. He's, and he knows about horses. He grew up on a farm, because, you yeah. know, he was talking about how horses make the escape, not the carriage, and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> it's just like, there's all these little nods to his history, which makes me think I'm going to delve into it more. And yeah. I'm Get a bit more backstory of some of the crows. Yeah, because the more you learn about them, the more you love them. Good. I mean, I already love them. At first, I'll be honest, I wasn't so sure. I wasn't sure about Kaz and crow. And I'm like, ooh, what are you guys doing? You scheming? Yeah. You have to a bunch of no good nicks. And now I'm just like, I love you guys, and I wish you all the best. <laughs> I, I love them all, too. They're great. I really hope Wyland makes an appearance, because like, he's kind of second fiddle to the rest of them for a while. But he has his moments, mm-hmm. but he's just so goddamn adorable, and he's dyslexic, and it's a major like uh, driver for some of the things that happen to his character and okay. lead to him joining them in the first place, and and all that because he's actually like ridiculously smart and really handy, like kind of like in an engineering I can build you things sure. way, okay, like pyrotechnics way too. Neat. Uh, yeah, but he can't read no matter what. And it's really cute how Jesper helps him. He's like, oh, I need that. Come on, I want to see that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 let's hope. I, I don't know this character, but from what you said, I think we need him. And hopefully they can bring him in next season. I hope so. Like so. I said, I don't really know where it's going now because of the way they merged them together. But that being said, them merging the two groups together so that their stories are happening concurrently. Mm-hmm. Um is not something that I'm particularly upset about. Yeah. Because, like I said earlier, the books are the books and they're great, but the show is really started off strongly and it's it's not detracting from those characters and why people have come to love them. Mm-hmm. It's just telling their stories in a different way. Yeah. So I'm really, like, this is weird because, like, for Harry Potter, when when it went prisoners of Azkaban. I was like, I really like the creativity here and just the way the scenes are constructed and everything like like art wise it's fantastic. But what the fuck did you do? <laughs> You're not honoring the books at all. What's going on here? And like I had a whole a rant, but I don't have that with with this. With and this. you know, there there are other examples either way too like i guess lord of the rings was pretty faithful to the books and everything Mm -hmm. hobbit less so and i got really angry about the whole (laughs) forced relationship between dwarf and elf that didn't wasn't there and didn't need to be there and you know like there's always something that you latch on to when they do when they take creative license and they go a little too wayward with it Mm -hmm. um despite the changes that they've made here I would recommend the show as a standalone. I would recommend the books as a standalone. And if you happen to partake in both, I don't think you'll be disappointed either way. Wow. Strong review. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Thank you for introducing me to the show. Like I said, I think I I may have gotten to it eventually and I may not have. Just self-preservation. I can only love so many things at one time. (laughs) 
this was great. Yeah, like I said a couple of times now, I'm excited to to get into the audiobooks. A couple of uh, fun facts that I read. Kit Young, who plays Jesper, uh, researched cowboys and gunslingers for his role. He trained with guns to the point that the crew found out during pre-production that several trick shots, which were planned for CGI, were actually stunts Young could do himself. Need and I mean watching him like flip the flip his guns around all spinny winny all cool like that, I I when I see that in any kind of show or movie I always wonder like how much training how long did that take because like he's really fucking slick with those with his guns. I'm so glad he did that because Jesper is really that good. Yeah, and there are multiple reasons for that too. There's layers to everything in this, and I love it. Another thing, uh, David J. Peterson, an American language creator known for Game of Thrones, Valerian, and Dothraki languages, is behind the Grisha versus fictional languages. Um, and he had previously helped Lee Bardugo, the author, mm-hmm. uh, with the languages in the books as well. That's awesome. One of the other things I love about the fantasy genre is when they take, when they pull from real world uh, inspirations, cultures, uh, and, and dialects and everything, and they kind of meld it all into one fictional language, culture, what have you. Mm-hmm. And and you could kind of tell that that's what they did here. A lot of uh, Russian influences, mm-hmm. and but then yeah, with the language, I I was like, that's cool. I mean, I I like Minionese because it's like French and Italian, and then just names of foreign dishes, yeah, <laughs> and bananas. <laughs> Sorry, the kids just watched the minion shit the other day, so that's stuck in my head. No, it's okay. It's it's a it's a perfectly valid example of, you know, cinematic languages and mm-hmm. some get popular enough that they take on a life of their own, like Klingon yes. or, or Elvish from Lord of the Rings. Yes. Like people genuinely speak those and write in those and I'm just like, Huh, I wonder what what you know next iteration is gonna have that kind of power yeah maybe it'll be this one i don't know it depends on how much it features we'll see but you're right there's a lot that they they have taken from real world and melded here and done really well because they didn't like gloss over the bad either Mm -hmm. like you know we've got anej's history in the menagerie yep which uh was like a fancy exotic brothel mm-hmm. and honestly like it just makes me sick yeah it really does but i love that kaz is like at the end of season one he diverts from you know their original plan of kidnapping the sun summoner and he lets her go and inej asks him like well why are you doing you you yelled at me for doing the same thing before and he's like my loyalty to or my priorities to you and going in and paying off the menagerie and getting inej's uh, freedom, mm-hmm. more or less, and I was like, "Aw, now kiss." Yeah, uh, that's really it. Really, is a good representation of the depth of their feelings for each other, because Kaz's history with Pekka Rollins is his driving force. Mm-hmm. It consumes every waking moment of his life. It is responsible for every decision he has made to get to the point where he's at now with the reputation he has and every single scheme is all leading to as he puts it dismantling Pekka Rollins brick by brick <laughs> but Inej complicates things she is also 
invaluable as a tool in this quest, but she complicates things because he genuinely loves her. Mm-hmm. And she loves him too. Mm-hmm. But because of their pasts, and I don't want to tell you like what Kaz's hang-up is with physical intimacy, but you can tell what Inej's is, right? Yeah. But Kaz has his own reasons for that too. Sure. Uh, not sexual in nature, so it's not like a sexual abuse thing or anything. But um, what he went through is just horrific. Okay. And especially when you consider how young he was at the time. Yeah. And, like, there's a reason he wears gloves all the time. Okay. All right. And it's, that's why people comment on them, too. Like, I don't think you see it too much in the show yet. Yeah, but no. Pe- people do. Like, there are... Two defining characteristics of Cass. He has a limp, which he refuses to get healed, Mm -hmm. even when he has the means at his disposal, Mm -hmm. and he wears the gloves. Interesting. I I didn't notice the glove thing, to be honest. I just, I was like, oh, it's cold. I didn't get the significance of it at first either, but then when I went back and rewatched, you know, there's several scenes where they focus on his gloves, but they just don't explain why. Sure. So they are really, like, subtly laying these bits in. Some groundwork, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, now that I know why they're doing it, and I get to, like, go back and rewatch it and see how they're weaving this all together, even though they're doing it differently from the books, they're doing it really well. Okay. And I hope they continue to do so. We don't want to, like, Game of Thrones incident. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one thing is though they're not going to run out of source material so there's that <laughs> god I've actually thought about going back and, and revisiting Game of Thrones and maybe even for the pod I feel like maybe maybe enough time has passed from the finale where I'm just going to be like okay I'm ready I'm going to be rage watching those last two seasons if well you yeah obviously <laughs> I look how you automatically assume it's going to be you yes you were the one I thought of but I'm going to like be so angry and you know what with the rewatch it's gonna be like oh my god this is even worse than i remember yeah but i didn't have to do that with shadow and bone i was just like yay this is still fun i was actually mad that i didn't have time to do a rewatch for this one because as i was you know i got maybe halfway through and i'm like i think i love the show oh god so what was the moment i've been meaning to ask you that what was the moment where you're like i love this i don't i think it was Kind of a little bit of everything. Ben Barnes definitely <laughs> guilty, <laughs> and you know Mal, and you know Alina's so pretty. Jesse, she's so she's just she's so so pretty. She really is. She's just pretty. You know, she's not. I don't want to say she's not beautiful, like that's an insult or anything. But I think she's she's just so so pretty. She's so she's supposed to be pretty. Yeah, especially when she starts using her power. Now Jenya is supposed to be like drop dead gorgeous. Zoya. Is supposed to be like drop dead gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Alina's pretty. Yeah, and uh, and I think you know they carry that through pretty well. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it it just was the combination of everything. And once it all kind of settled, and I was like, okay, fine. It was you know like I've the the writing the pacing I thought was amazing. We didn't mm-hmm. Alina getting into her powers didn't feel drawn out. Finding out that the darkling was the the black heretic didn't feel fucking drawn out because i kind of i wasn't super super surprised no. at that reveal i was a little disappointed because i was like oh i was kind of hoping for like that 
that um, non-twist twist mm-hmm. of like, okay, you're really, you're not the villain. But then he says like, fine, make me your villain. I'm like, okay. Okay. Oh, I, I, say love, so? I love that line. <laughs> I know. Because it makes me so curious about how he perceives himself. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. It's one of those things where you could do the story over again from his point of view and learn so many new things. I, oh God, that would be, I know. that could be a lot of fun. I know, right? But one of the things, too, that I should have mentioned earlier, you find out his actual name, Alexander, much, much earlier in the story. Oh, okay. Like, that that was a very late relationship reveal uh, in the books. And understandable why. Yeah. And But given the changes, you know, maybe they had to do it sooner. Sure. Or maybe it was in that effort to humanize him more right away. Sure. But also... Alina's friend, Marie, the one who gets killed as she's looking like Alina. Yes, yes, yes. By the conductor who doesn't exist in the books. Yeah. Marie's story plays out a little bit differently, but she is one of those who still ends up losing her life mm. as part of the story. Um, so I wasn't surprised when she died, but I it felt worse in the show because it happened so soon. Yeah. And it's so sad too. In such a like, weird way, like she's, she's she's like you know change me back. I don't want to die with someone else's face. And then Taylor changes her face, and then she dies. And I'm like, oh shit, that was that was sad. Mm-hmm. That one that one was pretty sad. And yeah. I mean, I barely remembered her, but you know, it still kind of hit. I was like, damn. It hits in the books too. Yeah. It'll definitely hit. Um, but yeah, just these these various changes to the story like timing wise but you're right it still didn't like take away from the timing or the pacing of the show Mm -hmm. like alina's finding her powers took frustratingly long but not too long Mm -hmm. but it wasn't so fast that you're like well that's unbelievable exactly uh you know so it was was like perfect yeah it was so well done and i really i really like that i think there was you know because it well it's only eight episodes but I mean, we've seen shows stretch shit out. Yeah, that don't need that does not need to be stretched out in with shorter season runs. So I really like that. But yeah, it was just like I said, that combination, everything just all kind of hit at once. Writing, costuming, the characters, the pacing, and I think yeah, around episode three or four, I'm like, okay, fine, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Shadow and Bone. I need me some more. Shit. <laughs> anyways i'm an adult yep me too yep <laughs> well awesome i i cannot wait for season two i'm so excited and like i said hopefully i will have gotten far enough into the books where yeah season two will be that much more of a anticipation yeah um but until then while we wait for season two to come out What's been streaming in your bubble? Um, Other than Shadow and Bone. I watched season six of Lucifer, finished that recently. There were moments there where it was a little hard to get through. Mm. But I'm satisfied with how it ended. Okay. And Lucifer has one of the best, like, character developments over his his time that I've seen in, in modern TV. Like, you can redeem the devil, I guess. Is, oh, okay. Is how he would put it. Um, so that was good. It was nice to finally 
have an ending to that. Yeah. Because things got delayed due to COVID, you know. Sure. There's this cartoon called Close Enough. It's made by the same people who made the regular show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, But it's not a bird. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> actually like people. Um, And the humor in it is fantastic. And some of the things that they say really hit home. Like, like okay, um, the female lead really likes going to open houses just, mm. like, for fun. Sure. And I Who kind doesn't? of like doing that. And one of the things she was doing in the kitchens was, like, <laughs> trying to slam the cupboard doors and the drawers <laughs> because they're soft clothes. <laughs> I legit do that at open houses. <laughs> but I take it further. I take it further. If I'm at the hardware store or some other store, like an appliance store that sells washers and dryers and other things with doors, <laughs> <laughs> some of them are soft clothes, some of them are not. There's a really quick way to find out. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, oh my god! And Aaron turns to me and he's like, "It's you." <laughs> And then, you know, she she makes some comment about how being in their 30s now, uh, like, they, they, don't, they, they don't need to go out all night anymore. And sometimes it's okay to just rather be at home watching the Great British Baking Show <laughs> slash Great British ba- Bake Off, depending on where you're from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just like, oh, gosh, I do that, too. I, I felt so <laughs> called out by this show. And I just, and it got progressively a little weirder and weirder and weirder. And I was just like, I love this show. I did not expect this because mm-hmm. I never really got into the regular show. Yeah. But I really liked that show. And on the subject of cartoons, Q-Force. Q-Force. You gotta watch Q-Force. They're, oh, It's so unapologetically gay. I love it. <laughs> and it's a cartoon, so I guess they can get away with it. But not only do you see tons of man butt, but you see dick and balls. Oh, nice. And I was like, Sign me up. I have not seen that in a show that's not like late night TV. Sure. I'm just like, wow. Interesting. When did this become okay? This is awesome. I really enjoyed it, though. So it's a spy team of uh, various members of the gay community who were kind of relegated to this and shoved aside because the leader was like the best candidate. And he decided with the repealing of Don't Ask, Don't Tell that in his graduation ceremony from the academy, he was going to come out. And these are the consequences of his doing so. But then, you know, obviously they get their moment to shine Mm -hmm. and they become like major plot drivers and they go on missions and Wanda Sykes is in it. Oh, okay. See, lead with these very, very, very (laughs) important draws to me. Right. Man butt, dick and balls, Wanda Sykes. Yep. And not necessarily in that order. So just unapologetically to be clear. gay Unapologetic- and hilarious yeah. about it. <laughs> like, come on, one of the characters' name is Twink. <laughs> and I love him. Awesome. I I really love him. But, awesome. Oh, uh, and they oh god, they actually do like a Princess Diaries parody. <laughs> and she's yes. like a legit character in the show. And you know, they even like dive into the movie like this is my history this is how oh, i became no. and i'm just like what the fuck are they doing with this? i loved it <laughs> aaron turned it on as a joke one morning and we just ended up watching the whole thing <laughs> those are some of the best watches yeah where you're like oh i'm gonna watch this like yeah as a joke or ironically you're like oh my god i loved it 
What about you? What are you streaming? Oh, let's see. Well, now that I'm done with Shadow and Bone, I might have to circle back around and restart that, but get back on the Shadow and Bone. (laughs) The fact that we haven't giggled more, I think, is is a sign of growth and maturity. I think it's a testament to how great the show is. I think so, too. You forget about giggling at the name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Most of the time. (laughs) Sometimes. Until you're face-to-face with a friend. Yeah. Um. But otherwise, I'm still working through Letterkenny. I've been doing a rewatch, a comfort rewatch of Letterkenny. I love that that's a comfort show for you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It is so goddamn funny. And I love I love quoting it and stuff all the time. So, Because um, we were supposed to go see them live in Milwaukee uh, in 2020. But then, you know, something happened and things had to be moved back, moved back, moved back. So we just got our new tickets so i'm just kind of like oh yeah i need to pitter patter and get a rewatch in and you know get a t-shirt or can koozie or something you know some merch so i can wear the show that i'm attending right right a shirt a shirt of the show that i'm going to well this has been this has been fun yeah this has been a lot of fun thank you so much for joining me today laura in the pod basement and introducing me to Shadow and Bone. <laughs> Anything is refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm a wingman here somehow. <laughs> Just deep in the Shadow and Bone. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> could go all night but <laughs> won't it'll just be a little short one <laughs> real quick <laughs> and thank you all for listening uh, today and um, keep streaming. Bye. Bye. Shadow and bone. (laughs) If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at MyStreamingBubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, Search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.